Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Darren Bondar. How you doing, Darren? Hey, great, Tyler. Thanks for having me today. Oh man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you have you on. I'm not even I'm not even sure how the world conspired to put us on the call together today, but we had a pre-chat a few weeks ago and love to hear what you're working on. And I think, well, there's a whole story that we can tell, but what you're kind of currently working on, I'm really excited about for just just the new and the innovation and maybe something that I think many of us have heard about for a long time. So to hear somebody's doing something with it uh, in a way that you are, I think is pretty exciting. So why don't we just jump in the quick uh, the quick elevator pitch and tell us a little bit about uh, you're the CEO and president of Hempalta. Tell us a bit what you guys are up to there and we'll unfold the story sounds good well we um purchased you know myself along with uh, some other shareholders purchased hemp alta at the end of december and started operating uh, only i guess five months ago in january okay. and uh uh the i guess what we're using is this really cool ag tech uh technology if you will uh that has really revolutionized the the way hemp is processed and uh, there's a local uh, engineering firm here, Canadian Greenfield Technologies, who spent about six or seven years uh, developing what's called the hemp train and uh, a bunch of uh, proof of concept products that uh, you know proved out that, hey, we can process hemp differently uh, and more efficiently than the traditional 100-year-old method of you know, kind of beating it down. And, uh, and as a result, we can really get a lot of different streams from the, the hemp uh, once it's processed and then use those various streams like herd as an example uh, to uh, make some great consumer products or animal products that, uh, that are replacing other products that are, you know, maybe not so ecologically friendly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very cool business. We're about five months in getting some really good traction and, uh, kind of applying our sales and marketing expertise to, uh, to hemp Ulta to try and, you know, bring more attention to both the hemp industry and the products that we're able to create and sell. Very cool. Well, let's, I want to go back a little bit. Like Hemp is something that's been around. It's not a new. It's not a new thing. What I'm really hearing is that you guys have revolutionized the way, and I love that you 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 put it in the category of egg tech, which is so easy to think about as oh AI and machine learning and 
crop mapping and you know automated combines and things like that but with you know how we actually process the product itself to then allow it to be more flexible curious i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit but uh, again i'm putting you as in the spot of being my de facto expert because you're on the call but history of hemp is i've always heard the story like oh this it's always been this amazing product but there was legalities there was politics it got shelved it was not allowed to there was lobbying groups. Like there's this whole story. I think I know about hemp of why it hasn't been mainstream over the last, you say a hundred years, any thoughts or a little bit of that history of kind of how we got to here and maybe why it's taken so long to be able to get access to the benefits of this product. Yeah. You know, hemp has been, uh, has had that polarizing, um, experience for so many years. Just, it was related to the cannabis plant, which ultimately it is. Um, so, but unfortunately, um, so it got tied up particularly in the U S where it became banned. But before that, it was one of the most popular crops that was grown and there were cars built out of it. And, uh, it really, um, was starting to, you know, the people understood how to use it, uh, 50, 70, 80 years ago. And then, you know, as part of prohibition, uh, became the evil plant and, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but Canada was really ahead of the curve. So I guess Canada legalized it in the late nineties. Uh, to be used for industrial purposes. And uh, there was a lot of research, uh, there's a lot of, been a lot of research done over the last 20 years about uh, different uses and, and um, you know, and different things that can be done with it. Um, but you really haven't seen a lot of commercialization. And I'm not really sure why that, uh, why that has been, um, but it's, it's definitely been a lag. And then with the farm bill uh, in the U.S. in 2018, uh, it also kind of transformed uh, hemp is now, you know, more of a, a legal product uh, that can be processed as long as it's, you know, below 0.3% THC. So you are starting to see the hemp industry emerge. Uh, you're starting to see more entrepreneurs and uh, commercial scale businesses uh, start to appear. But it still feels like it has quite a long way to go to educate the public uh, about its benefits and then also just um, get all the commercial, different commercial uses. There's like 25,000 commercial uses, I think, is the uh, rested upon number uh, to market. So, yeah, it's been quite polarizing. I think the legalization of recreational cannabis uh, in Canada is actually being good for industrial hemp. But definitely it feels like the industry still has a long way to go to get uh, products in a commercial scale out to market outside of just, you know, protein and hemp parts, uh, you know, and right. food. Which therein lies the entrepreneurial there, therein lies the opportunity of, of five months ago when you made that decision. Yeah. So just for the sake of not getting, putting on our, our, our biologist hats, but I've, I, I see a facility that's, that's producing recreational or medical grade cannabis. And I see a field somewhere across Canada of hemp. Is it the same plant? Is it a different plant? Like, are we talking about two different things or is it just different evolutions of the same? same yeah, it's, same? it's ultimately the cannabis, uh, the cannabis sativa plant, uh, industrial hemp, uh, is classified as having less than 0.3% THC. So there's 0.3. really not a THC, uh, component, uh, permitted in industrial hemp. So that, um, that's the essential difference. And the Canadian government has a, um, a, a number of seeds. I, I think the list is 50 to 100 different seeds uh, that have been authorized that farmers who want to grow hemp uh, need to just you know, register those seeds uh, and buy the seeds yeah. from the government. And then uh, they're able to process without issue. And amazingly, what I'm really thrilled about is uh, on the industrial processing side, we don't even need a license. So that, um, yeah, I think that's a real... Uh, plus for uh, people that want to enter the industry, it's, it's one less barrier. 
Oh, interesting. So we'll give the government props that they didn't, like, if you're starting with a plant that's safe, then there's no reason to add another layer of regulation down the road because the root product was already approved by, by us or by the regulatory body. Exactly. That's, so, yeah, that's rare. I was thrilled to have my... I feel like that was an opportunity. Yeah, I was thrilled to have my application sent back because, you know, we went, started going through, oh, we probably need a license for this. And they're like, you don't need a license for this, so... That feels like a real missed revenue opportunity on their side, but let's not talk about that for too long. We'll just move on from there. I'm like, what? The government not over-regulating? Yeah. Keep in mind, I grew up in Quebec where they regulate maple syrup, for God's sake. So come that's on. Right. I, you know, this, this feels like a missed opportunity. That's the, that, the, that, 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 the maple syrup conversations for another day. So thinking back to, you know, talked about potentially products that are, uh, I'll use some more, my own words, like these, these are environmentally better. They have maybe less impact environmentally than maybe even from, a, from, you know, now you can't know anything about ag and not know about the cost of fertilizer going up, the cost of seed going up. Is this also from an ag perspective? Like I'm a farmer. Is this an easier product to grow? Is it easier on my land? Does it take less fertilizer? Like if you just hold it up against soybeans or canola or corn or, you know, some of the other small grains that there might be, where does it kind of fit into the rotation of, of a, a farmer's field? Yeah, uh, hemp's a really important crop for uh, farmers to grow and qualification. I'm not a farmer, but uh, from working with farmers and getting to understand uh, the, the importance of hemp, um, every three or four years, it's, it's beneficial for farmers to uh, grow hemp as part of their crop cycle. Uh, it grows very fast. It's ultimately a weed, uh, hence the, you know, the nickname weed. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, see, um, see the street name, see the street name, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really helps uh, restore their soil and uh, so uh, farmers uh, do grow it, particularly in Alberta, which is a, a terrific climate for growing hemp. Uh, and then they are able to sell um, the seed uh, that, is, that we talked about is used for protein. But the challenge that they've had is that once they kind of process it and cultivate it, uh, they don't know what to do with it. So if you drive through Southern Alberta, there's thousands and thousands of these 1200 pound bales of hemp that are sitting on their fields that are essentially rotting or, or they have to burn. And uh, that's kind of where, uh, where we come in. But yes, it's a very important crop for farmers to grow. Uh, and then you know, what do you do with it after it's, uh, after it's being grown? Oh, okay. I, I see. So like harvesting small grains where you, you take the grain, but you leave the straw in a that's very simple, correct. like, and that's a world I grew up in Southern Quebec, lots of small grains and guys would then bale it and then use it as bedding or, you know, people would buy it. Sometimes there was no market for it. They just chop it up and spread it on the field. But a hemp stock is quite hefty. <laughs> yeah, it's quite hefty. It's not so easy. It needs a further level of processing to be able to use uh, for animal bedding or for, you know, the other purposes that we uh, were able to, um, to, to process it for. Okay. So I'm a farmer and I've now harvested my crop and I've taken my seed, which I'm either going to use for hemp parts or I'm going to use it somewhere. So that's kind of what I've got. Yeah. Is this just a byproduct? Are, like, are they like thankful that you're taking, like I'm just thinking the business model when your feed stock is actually somebody else's waste. That can be a really, that could be a great model. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I, I think they're really thrilled. Just yesterday, actually, we received uh, an email from a farmer in Southern Alberta uh, who heard about us because we've been buying bales and uh, he was thrilled because he's been sitting on some of these bales since 2018, 2019. He's got like a over a thousand of them. So uh, that's good for us because it's, you know, a few months supply at least. 
Um, but he was really thrilled that we're, I mean, we pay for it. We, the, the farmers have grown it, but we certainly don't yep. pay a lot. We pay for it like it's waste and we mm -hmm. have to pay for the cost to transport it to our facility in Calgary. Um, but yes, I think that the farmers are really grateful that um, there's somebody that can now uh, generate a little bit of extra revenue for them and uh, more importantly, take it off their field and uh, see it be used for, uh, for better products. Okay, I love it. So you guys are literally running around the province with big flatbed trucks, basically like you'd see a load of hay and basically these big 1,200-pound bales strapped down. That is exactly uh, what we're doing. Oh, very interesting. So how many, and you said, well, you said uh, you said to a thousand, that's a couple months. Yeah. What's that look like when it kind of comes into your, um, we're going through the whole like cradle to grave here, the supply, the, the chain. Yeah. So do you, are you, do you have a yard stockpiled here? I know you're over on Blackfoot. You've invited me to come over and see your facility. I haven't made it over. So that's on my list. Yeah. But it, do you guys have just a stockpile of these bales that are kind of coming in one end and going out the other end as usable products? Yeah, that's exactly it. So we bring in nice. pretty, pretty much a flatbed a week. And uh, we, we all have a couple months supply on our yard. It's great because we're based right in central Calgary. So it makes it quite convenient for, uh, for farmers to um, bring their product to us. And then uh, also when we end up transporting finished goods, it's also uh, great being right in central Calgary. So, um, but yeah, that's the process. They, they bring them. We uh, store them on our yard, uh, dry them out in a tent uh, if they need to be dried out. And some of these bales have been sitting on the farmer's field, as I've mentioned, since 2018. And what's great is uh, we're able to process basically bales that are as much as five years old, as long as they're not molded and, uh, right. and still have their integrity. Do you have to bring the moisture content down to be able to process? Like how, how moist moisture is in the bale new versus when it sits out in the field and actually air dries for a year? Yeah, we can actually process them wet. Um, but the byproduct, uh, like the herd is not great when it's wet. So that needs to be dried out before it's packaged. Uh, but it doesn't take too long for, uh, for hemp to dry. It's naturally, uh, you know, naturally dries quickly. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm loving this story. It's like, I'm looking for holes here, uh, Darren, but it's, it's the story's <laughs> holding together pretty great. So far, so not, good. Not really looking for holes, but yeah, the story's holding together. So talk to me about the processing, because obviously you've got a bit of geographic reach, like, because transportation these days, I, I was talking to somebody who runs a trucking business and they were showing me their one fill up that lasted them a day. Like those costs are exponentially growing right now. So do you have, are you bound in a little bit just by, you'd need another facility in Edmonton as an exam, just picking an example to yeah. be able to cater to that market. Cause transportation then sounds like that becomes your breaking point. Uh, I think that just being located in Calgary actually gives us a competitive advantage. Some mm -hmm. of our other competitors are really uh, far out from any major centers and uh, just to transport to get to, uh, you know, to the rail line or to, uh, you know, to the various airports to transport the product uh, or to truck it uh, adds a whole expense just to get from point A to point B, whereas we're, we're able to get there direct. So, yeah, yeah, there's a limit to what our facility can do, but we were actually looking at opening a second facility to have a closer geographic reach uh, to the U.S., and uh, it actually we can um, freight a lot uh, less expensive than we could from this relatively remote place in Oregon. So we're like, you know what? We don't need a second facility at this time. Let's just max out. We've got lots of room on our space to add a second hemp train or even a third if we needed to. So I okay. think we can cover a lot of geographic reach, particularly in Western Canada uh, without having to, and the Northwestern US without really having to open up a, an additional plant to, um, to satisfy our customers. Base. Well, and from a capital perspective, you know, every time you, you know, another footprint is not, it's not plus one, yeah. it's usually plus one plus plus. That's right? correct. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, as much as we can maximize out our existing footprint, I think that's the, the way to go for us.
And so the hemp train, is that what you, is that the processing unit? I'm sorry, you've said that a couple of times. That is the actual unit that does the, that does the, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it magic, but yeah, that, <laughs> that, is that, that magic, turns it yeah. from this wasted bale into these products we're going to talk about here in a sec. That's exactly it. So Canadian Greenfield Technology developed the hemp train uh, over a number of years. And uh, yeah, it's very unique. It's uh, got a lot of proprietary elements to it that allow us to, uh, that allow us to process this, uh, these 1200 pound bales, starting with even processing a 1200 pound bale and opening that bale is, uh, is not easy. And I've seen other processors, you know, with guys in pitchforks, you know, standing up on their, <laughs> their units trying to separate it, but this actually has an incredible bale opener. Uh, so the, you know, we, we put the forklift uh, up and the bale on and it, it goes you know on a slow train ultimately um, yep. through the bale opener and then starts its separation process and without getting into the, the use of proprietary or the secret sauce is this using mechanical means to break it down chemical like i'm just curious about yeah know, the process of breaking this thing apart yeah there's no chemicals at all this is all natural and just using uh mechanics we call it the black box everybody kind of looks in to see you know how's this thing work but uh yeah no chemicals that's the beautiful thing this is all just natural Oh, fantastic. So let's talk about the, the we've talked about the, the, the front side of the machine. Let's talk about the other side of the machine. And I'm on your website now. You guys got hemp fresco, hemp cat litter, hemp all to pet premium, hemp bedding. Is there a blend to of also like, is this all direct to consumer you're focusing on now? Or is it a balance between kind of a B2B and a B2C kind of end like product model? Yeah, it's a combination of B2B and B2C. We sell uh, to a number of major retail chains that go to the, um, you yeah, know, then consumer. go to the consumer. Uh, that just allows us to do the volume that we're able to produce. Um, but then obviously the consumer needs to buy into the product and it needs to sell through a retail. So um, yeah, it's a combination of the B2B and B2C. Okay. And for you guys as, a, as an organization, you, you saw this opportunity, you're five months in, so you saw this opportunity, you've kind of created this, this going forward, you know, when you look, look at your R&D or look at, is it just more expansion and doing more with what, or are you guys as a group always looking at, you said 25,000 potential use cases. Is that where, I'm just curious of the business model, is it to pick a couple lanes and really maximize that and get some adoption and get increased public awareness? Or is there an R&D side of your business where you're always like, well, where, where can we put this now? We've got this, we've got this, this stock that can go into all these different directions. Just really curious about how you kind of, I mean, it seems like it'd be a lot of things you'd have to say no to. Like there's, it sounds like there's more opportunity than there isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I think that in the beginning, in the early days, we really just want to be focused on our five or six lanes that we've, which is a lot, but our five or six products yeah. that we've uh, kind of focused on. And those will ultimately, you know, pay the bills of the facility and get us moving um, and, uh, and ensure that this business can be viable. But then, yeah, we're, like every day I'm looking at different uses. Okay. How can we use our fiber? Cause there's a, a few pieces that, uh, of the puzzle that we're still trying to solve. It's like, and what is one of them is what is the best use for our actual fiber, uh, that we're uh, producing. So it's gone through the machine. We've taken out the herd and we get, you know, a herd and micro herd and what we call green microfiber. But then, uh, we have the, the fiber element, which is about 75% clean. And that's pretty interesting because it can be used for all sorts of different things to, um, from uh, concrete reinforcement to uh, insulation to hemp wood but a lot of that stuff uh, is highly regulated so um, as, as quick as I'd like to say hey we can replace um, you know 
pink insulation in every house across Canada. Yeah, uh, there's a whole regulatory piece to it. And uh, there's some R&D, of course, that needs to go to it. So um, we're still, you know, we're very interested in all those pieces. Perhaps they come by acquisition in a few years. Um, we do have, we do work with Canadian Greenfield still. There are, um, you know, our engineering firm on record. Uh, but in the meantime, the products on our website are really uh, where we're staying focused uh, in the early days anyway, so that we can uh, prove out this business model and be profitable and cash flowing so that we can then uh, do more. I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. So even now, there's there's elements of waste just because, I, I don't want to call them waste, but there's elements of what you're getting out of this process that you're still not able to utilize. There's the opportunity, but that's just the, also really pitching the case for how viable this plant is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, fortunately, we are able to utilize it all but really how to maximize and what's the best uses and what's going to be the best okay. return yeah, yeah. Um, um, for it. So like the hemp bales right now, instead of people using straw bales, they can use hemp bales. But there is, uh, I think, other more effective uses for that fiber, as an example, um, that, okay. um, that needs to come to fruition. And we're actually operate pretty much a zero waste facility. So like we're using, utilizing every, uh, every piece of that plant that comes through our door. That's such a good story. I love it. But yeah, is, is there a better, more impactful, but that takes time and R&D and I appreciate you're dealing with getting into building products, concrete, and so those are all regulated for good, for good reason, obviously. Yeah, and Alberta's really ahead of the curve. I think that people need to recognize, I mean, for 20 years, you've got InnoTech Alberta, um, you've got uh, the facility out in um, Vegreville that, um, that's really been ahead of the R&D. As a new guy coming into the industry, I'm a little bit like, you know, I've visited all of these places and the, the science of the R&D is, is really impressive. But to me, I kind of look at it and go, like, why hasn't anything really been brought to a commercial scale? There's been a few, I shouldn't say nothing, yep. but there's just yep. so much opportunity that seems to be locked in these research facilities that uh, mm. trying to figure out how to unlock and, uh, and see, see how it can be brought to commercialization. I think it's, and I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, post-secondary and universities and those challenges of like what one group does well, the other group doesn't do well. Entrepreneurs, maybe not the best at R&D. And these are blanket statements, but I know a lot of researchers, they're not great. They're not great at being entrepreneurs either. Yeah, <laughs> I agree not. with that. I agree with that. And sometimes, you know, we're having these conversations and uh, we're, you're not even talking the same language a lot of the time. <laughs> it's like, just tell me how to sell it. And they're like, yeah, well, you have to do blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's not what we do. Let me go back and do more. Let me go back and do more research. Yeah, exactly. I've been involved in marketing initiatives where they, they were very heavy technical oriented and yeah. we were absolutely talking a different language at all times. They knew yeah. they weren't speaking our language, but at the end of the day, I don't know if they really believe their language was worth speaking anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not what's interesting. Any, yeah. yeah, but what's interesting was when you can see the two, um, the two converge like we have with Canadian Greenfield, they really built mm -hmm. an incredible thing, uh, you know, some incredible ag technology. And then the products that they've, uh, you know, used as proof of concept, as an example, the hemp fresco, really amazing. When you look at their marketing, it, you know, it was patched together because it's proof of concept. But then when you yep. bring in, you know, our experience, which is more sales and marketing focused, and you can apply a proper brand story and, and, and really tell what this product does and, you know, give it some proper imaging and packaging, um, that's how I, I think that uh, things will start to, to really propel for the mm. hemp industry. Well, I know that's some of your background, so I, so I'm curious. Now let's let's put on our marketing hats here, Darren, for a second. Sure. So, I'm on the site, and obviously, you're telling the higher order benefit of hemp as a story. Because yeah. I'm a consumer, and I'm all of a sudden going, "Wait a second, I can put this with my produce, but also it's my cat litter." 
Like there's a bit of a, wait, what, wait a second here. I don't buy my fridge products at my pet's shop. So I'm just curious from your, from your perspective as a marketer, is there a bit of a challenge there or is it more getting the customer really bought into the benefits of hemp and then allowing them to understand that it can be applied in different ways? Because those can kind of push and pull at each other. Uh, as the marketer here sitting outside, looking at your site, easily pointing, pointing at things. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good point. I mean, they are made slightly differently, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it, is the, it is the hemp plant and uh yeah it's just a question of uh educating the consumer and uh we're we're not asking you to eat this hemp fresco but you are putting it in with your you know with your produce um and uh so yeah no it's it's a conundrum and it's really about just educating the the public about the benefits and the twenty five thousand different uses that this plant can be used for so yes it can be used for cat litter it can be used for food preservation but it can also be used for insulation in your wall um and all the different you know some of the different that's mind-blowing yeah Yeah. my creative my creative director always used to say no matter how good your story is does will the public believe you (laughs) yeah i always really put a lot of value in that like how believable is this because if it's too good to be true i don't know yeah and i'm just i'm just looking at it playing my marketing hat a little bit here just well and that's part of the hemp fresco right Mm -hmm. so look the average canadian uh family is wasting about 1300 dollars a year in food that's going to waste uh, so that, that, now, that's recently gone up to 1800. Yeah. So 1800 to 2500. It's a problem. And, you know, yeah. you go to Costco, uh, or, you know, a bulk place to save money to buy more produce, uh, then half of it goes bad. <laughs> so, um, the challenge yes. for us is, okay, is this worth uh, $20? Uh, how much money am I going to save? And does it actually work? And what's really impressive is when we actually get this in people's hands and they put it in their fridge and they're like, oh man, this actually works. Uh, I think we've got a repeat customer. Well, and hey, for the audience that's listening and can't see, as you and I are both informed now, I'm reading, I read about your product and watched your video before, but this keeps uh, produce fresh in the fridge. It's like a, it looks like a mat that you would put in the bottom of your crisper. You throw in your apples, your tomatoes, your cucumber, and your lettuce, I think was your video specifically. And then you guys showed an amazing 30 day and side by side. So can you tell us how it works? Like, is there a secret? What's the, what's the, what's the magic in this little pad? Well, the way that uh, the hemp train uh, produces uh, our hemp um, and particularly the herd, which is the inner core and the inner stock of, okay. um, of the plant, uh, is very differentiated than anybody else. So when it goes through our um, plant, one, or, or through the hemp train, one, it gets cleaned, uh, all the dust is taken out, but also two, uh, it comes out very soft and, uh, and, and maintains all the properties of the herd. So when you actually then put it into these uh, food preservate to these pads, which we call food preservation pads, uh, and you put it into your fridge, it takes out all the moisture and uh, and the gases that uh, form in uh, in your crisper. Uh, so it's absorbing all that, so it, it doesn't basically go to work on the actual produce itself. <laughs> exactly. So that's uh, I guess that's the the magic element. So I guess it starts with one uh, the way that the hemp train produces this hemp. So it's not mm-hmm. something that can be easily yes. replicated. And then uh, and then two um, once it's put in these food preservation pods uh, and put into the fridge, it's yeah, it's one of those things you just said. Does it actually work? Is it too good to be true? But it does. I am. It's on. It's on. It's on my list because I hate throwing out product. I hate throwing out food. I love good food, and to see it go to waste because somehow I forgot to eat it in the right amount of time drives me bananas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, will 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 it keep bananas? I actually saw some packaging the other day. I think it was a meme or something. It was a ba- bananas being sold in South Korea, and they packaged them in packages of five, from the most ripe to the least ripe, so that they would be ready oh. in a in a sequence so you could eat them. That's like, so you know smart. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. 
I was like, well, so I love when you see something so obvious. You're like, how did, how, how have we not all thought, how have we not all thought of that? Yeah. Um, curious a little bit about your five, your five months in, obviously you're an entrepreneur. Can you talk a little bit about the financial journey around this? Like, did you pool a bunch of friends and family together? Did you say, I'm going all in on this? Like always curious of, you know, one of my other shows that I do, which is called follow the money. Always love to understand this gap that I hear about constantly in Western Canada, like great ideas, not getting funded or funding, not finding enough great ideas. Curious a little bit if you want to pull back the curtain and just like, what was that journey like for you guys? Sure. Uh, well, fortunately, uh, we had some really good success with our, our last business that we built, which was Inner Spirit Holdings and Spirit Leaf. Um, I'm very proud that uh, all the investors that we brought in over the course of 2017 uh, through until the time we sold uh, did really well. And uh, that included um, some seed investors uh, that when you know, when we exited from Spirit Leaf and uh, it was determined that I wasn't going to uh, go on, I was definitely going to take some time off. It, it came upon me a little quicker than I thought. Um, but um, when I saw this opportunity right in Calgary, close to my house, ticked all the boxes that I was looking for in a business, which was uh, vertical, vertical and uh, consumer goods, um, I, I just said, you know, this has kind of landed on my plate for a reason. And um, so I went back to kind of those core um, shareholders that uh, were, you know, our largest shareholders in Inner Spirit. I said, hey, guys, you want to kind of put your original principle back on the table or some of it? And uh, so I was very fortunate. Uh, So we have Prairie Merchant, uh, you know, Brett Wilson uh, Mm -hmm. is well known in the city of Calgary. Um, He's been a a great supporter and a great shareholder, um, a a great shareholding, um, a great uh, private equity company out of the UK and, uh, and a couple other people. So there's really only, uh, four or five, um, shareholders at this time. Okay, right on. Yep. But, uh, and then also we were pretty fortunate. Our business plan stood up and we were able to get the support of farm credit Canada. So farm credit Canada, uh, loaned us a million dollars, which was, um, which was good to have a little bit of debt financing as well. Yeah. And, not not uh, diluting and, the pool too much too soon. Yeah. yeah. But um, at the same time, um, we are going to need uh, some additional capital just to bring this business to uh, full fruition. So uh, I anticipate we'll probably do a, you know, some sort of crowdfunding campaign um, in the fall. Um, and the reason we do that is, you know, I actually like uh, having a number of shareholders and sharing the opportunity. And uh, I think also shareholders are, uh, you know, having shareholders end up being your greatest advocates and fans. Uh, so I think that we will uh, will extend and open the pool and. Uh, in due course here. I appreciate that. Thanks for just just opening it up. Curious your view, and I don't know, this maybe is maybe already a silly question, but how much was, you had success, you had track record. I have a lot of founders on the show. I have a lot of people that are in that early stage cycle and they don't necessarily have the history or the Rolodex or those people to call. And so, so much is it about the idea for this? Was it a blend? Like it's, it's, I'm not questioning it still has to be a good idea, but you also as, as a leader, as a founder had proven track record, just thinking about somebody listening to maybe who doesn't have that, like, Hey, look at the plaque on the wall. I did the thing, right? Yeah. It doesn't have that versus having that. How much play, did that play a factor? And obviously this isn't your first this time at it but this is your first time coming at it with such a great success story following right along behind yeah it's a good question raising capital for an entrepreneur is always one of the most challenging things and yeah. uh, and uh so i think you have to start with kind of a reasonable reasonable bite size i guess would be my advice for entrepreneurs looking mm-hmm. at capital if you're going out in your first business and say we're going to raise five million dollars tomorrow it's you know it's going to be a real uphill battle <laughs> but i think you kind of do it in bite sizes and you start with friends and family who uh you know who believe in you 
but with that, I'll, I always find that to be a huge, no matter whose money, you know, who invests with you, it's a huge pressure, right? Like if I'm going to borrow or have an equity investment, whether it's $500 or $500,000 from a family member or for a friend or an investor, uh, that brings a, a lot of pressure and responsibility to be a good steward of their capital. So I think that when entrepreneurs are going out to raise, uh, I think that they have to really keep that in mind and um, and start small and uh, and kind of do rounds and hit your various milestones and then go to the next round and go bigger. But uh, yeah, it's it's not easy. And uh, I, I, fortunately, I had, a, as you say, a nice exit for uh, for a large group of shareholders, which really opened up the pool for uh, for future opportunities that I'm able to present to people. And mm-hmm. if they'd like to invest with me, then that's that's great. And I take the, the stewardship of their capital quite seriously. I appreciate that comment. Obviously, you've been involved in the Alberta ecosystem, had some success in this market. Any thoughts? What are you seeing, you know, out there kind of, you know, maybe storm clouds on the horizon globally, the big R word floating around. But I've also heard a lot of people like, ah, Alberta's in a great place right now. There's a bit of a bubble. We've got obviously energy is, is kind of pulling for us again in a way it hasn't for quite a few years. What's your view of kind of this infamous ecosystem and, you know, kind of tech burgeoning scene that we have here. It's curious your, your views of a guy who's played in it for a while. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for Calgary and Alberta for the next uh, number of years. And we've had a really tough cycle here, which is, you know, very much a Calgary thing. Seven years <laughs> up, has- seven years down, but we're back <laughs> on the upside. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the global, you know, war and uh, Ukraine and stuff is uh, really wreaked havoc on the world, and Alberta's in a good position to be able to um, share their, uh, you know, share their resources from oil and gas to agriculture. Uh, and as you say, the the burgeoning tech scene here is really exciting. Uh, the alternative energy with the, you know the green energy, you're seeing some huge solar projects, the biggest in the world, built here. So I just think that um, there is so much opportunity in Calgary and Alberta, and I'm I'm really excited for the years ahead. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, last night I was at uh, the, the garden party that Brett Wilson shows, uh, throws every year for a number of entrepreneurs and his associates. And uh, there was a real sense of optimism and, right, uh, yeah. and yeah. generosity. I think they raised, I don't know what the final number was, but, uh, but you know, over $500,000 for mental health and uh, youth mental health. So uh, there's definitely a lot of optimism and, uh, and everybody's pretty excited. It does feel, and I don't want to over, but it feels like we got our swagger back a little bit and I, in a very po- in a very positive way. And I'm super okay with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. We deserve it. Hey, look, a lot of people have gone through a lot of hardship back in COVID to that. Uh, it's still not easy for families. Inflation is a real concern, but um, I do think there's opportunity for uh, for people to be able to, you know, uh, great get great jobs or start great businesses and uh, be able to support their families. Yeah, there's there's. There's nowhere better to be an entrepreneur, in my opinion, and even over the last bunch of years, because we still had the right attitude, but a little more capital floating around, that definitely helps that storyline a little bit. I think so too. And there needs to be more, uh, I think there needs to be more capital available uh, to uh, start up businesses and, uh, you know, kind of those angel rounds are missing from uh, Alberta compared to, uh, or and primer probably Canada as well, um, compared to the availability in the US, but it's also starting to come. Yeah, I've had a few individuals on the show that are kind of starting those specific areas and a friend of mine starting fund specifically in ag tech right now. And, you know, I was chatting with him about it. He said, it's interesting because, you know, a fund like that is tapping into almost a non-tapped into market where you're talking to farmers, you're talking to people in the ag space. They've got these great balance sheets after the last couple of years and they're looking to put money into play. So he's like, I'm not necessarily seeing the same headwinds because I'm kind of fishing in a different pond. And there's so much of that in Alberta that I still think is so, it's so young. And that gets me excited because that means nothing but opportunity on the, on the upside. Mm -hmm. 
Agreed. Yeah. Darren, curious question. I didn't give you this one in advance, so I apologize, but I love to ask the magic wand question. I give you the magic wand, you wave it and you change something in our province that's either going to create more opportunity or knock a barrier out of the way. Uh, and you can do a couple things. It's, once you have the magic wand, you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. So once you have the magic wand, what would be on your, uh, what would be on your hit list or your opportunity uh, list? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, I, I really want to see both the downtowns of Edmonton and Calgary uh, fixed up and rejuvenated. Uh, I was downtown Edmonton a couple months ago, and uh, they've got a serious problem uh, there with uh, homelessness and drug use, which I think they've started to address. And okay. Calgary's vacancy rates uh, from the offices are starting to fill up again, but I imagine they're still probably sitting at 25 to 30% uh, vacancy. Yeah, so, so we need more, uh, and and the cities and the people who are a lot smarter than me are working on it, but uh, I would say for this province and for those two cities in particular, uh, really seeing a resurgence in downtown, you need people living there and eating there and uh yeah. you know and working there uh, i think that would make a huge difference for um uh for for the province uh instead of them all clearing out after five o'clock and uh <laughs> and then kind of being ghost towns so um that would be the one magic wand i think i would wave for uh for both calgary and edmonton having lived in both cities i appreciate that and it's very rare you see a, like a vibrant like things are on fire this is a great economy everything's awesome and a dead downtown like those things don't normally go together back to that you know innovation happens three fours and below kind of mindset yeah. but you need people for that to happen and i moved back i moved to calgary in 2000 i think it was a february but i came from montreal and i'm like i'm gonna go downtown on a friday night at eight o'clock and i saw a tumbleweed i was like yeah. oh my god where have i moved <laughs> that's yeah. an exaggeration that's like the hollywood moment for sure but i was shocked after living in montreal where even at minus 20 friday night at seven o'clock it's the streets are packed it's people everywhere like just an energy and you know i i I can agree with you like it it tends to be a ripple effect when when that's going on it means there's a whole bunch of other things going on as well right yeah yeah i hope so i think over the next few years we'll uh hope see some substantial change yeah, it's, I, I am, I'm with you. I'm, I, I like to have real conversations about what we can fix, but at the same time, we are absolutely moving in a positive direction. And I think we are, I'm with you, the seven years up, seven years down. I do believe Western Canada, we have got a little bit of insulation and we've, even back 08, 09, like Calgary didn't get hit as like the rest of the world did. Like from my perspective anyways, if you didn't really watch the news, it probably, it didn't seem that bad. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, not to, not to say that I want everybody to come along, but I do believe we've got a little bit of a, of, of a window of opportunity here because we earned it. Back to yeah, your point. I think so too. I agree with that statement. We earned it. Yeah. <laughs> dues, dues are being paid consistently. Uh, Darren, what's the best way someone will obviously hemp, hempalta.com. You guys have a great website. I'm going to check out where would I buy hemp fresco? Can I buy it right off your site or do I need to go somewhere and grab it? Yeah, you can buy it off our site. You can buy it at some of the local Safeway stores have started to pick it up. Uh, it'll be in all the co-op stores, uh, I think starting in July. Um, so yeah, I think we're on Loblaws online. So there's a number of places that can be bought. And, uh, for the summertime, we've also, uh, opened our farm gate store. So, uh, um, Calgarians can come right, uh, right to our spot on Blackfoot trail and, uh, visit the yard. And, um, we're happy to, uh, to help them there and show them the product and, uh, give them some one-on-one education. Oh, very cool. Where are you? And you've given me the invite to come down. So note, noted. That's on me, not yeah. on you. Where, where, is it, where are you guys on Blackfoot? We're right on Hastings Crescent. So 1560 Hastings Crescent, just off 46th Avenue uh, and a little bit east. So uh, yeah, it's a really cool industrial part of Calgary that uh, not a lot of people always go to. But uh, yeah, there's a lot happening in our cul-de-sac, a lot of really cool businesses. And uh, yeah, we've got all the bales. Uh, can't miss it. We've got uh, all the bales lined nice. up okay. and uh, sitting in the yard. 
Very cool. I, I love Calgary. It has so many of those little pockets. It was like, you go like, whoa, whoa, what is going on yeah, down here? I love that. Here, yeah. Get out and explore. We get a city that you can cover in 20 minutes in any direction, right? That's Take the right. time and go, go and check it out. And what if someone wants to reach out and have a chat with you, either for like get a job, invest, just have a, have a conversation is, uh, I know you're on LinkedIn. I, you know, you and I connected on, on there. What's the best way for someone to connect? Yeah, LinkedIn or via the Hemp Alta site are uh, terrific. And uh, yeah, I love, uh, always love having these conversations and uh, connecting with uh, whoever wants to connect for, uh, you know, to learn about hemp and learn about what we're doing and uh, yeah, and discuss whatever uh, path it takes. Amazing. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for just indulging my curiosity of walking me through the ins and outs of this. I was really curious to have this conversation today. I didn't disappoint. And congratulations on what you're doing. I just, I love anybody who's willing to kind of push out. And I love what you said. It's like, it's not, are you not all not seeing the opportunity here? Like, come on guys, this is amazing. And yeah, the yeah. true, the true entrepreneur. So uh, congratulations on what, on the project. And I think you guys are, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks Tyler. I appreciate you having me. And, uh, yeah, entrepreneurship is a roller coaster as you well know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for all that you're doing and bringing awareness to these, uh, great things in the city of Calgary. It's, oh, uh, thank you very much. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Hey, selfish. I get to have these amazing conversations. So selfish audience of one right here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks Darren. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks a lot.